When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Exo Higher Self fam. It's Bunny Michael here. I am so excited to be releasing this very special, unique episode while we are still on our break before we relaunch our new season on April 20th. I had the absolute honor of being a guest on Ghost of a Podcast and getting an astrological reading by the amazing Jessica Lignato. Jessica Lignato is a humanistic astrologer, psychic medium, tarot reader, and animal communicator. She started her private practice in San Francisco in 1994 and has met with thousands of people across the globe for one-on-one couples and business consultations. Lignato has lectured extensively, taught astrology, and offered live mediumship events. She facilitates communication between the living and their lost loved ones, and she's helped people connect with their pets through live animal communication. She is the host of the top-ranking astrology and advice show, Ghost of a Podcast, the co-founder of the Get Out the Vote project, Zodiac the Vote, and she was the host of TLC's digital show, Stargazing. Her first book, Astrology for Real Relationships, published by Penguin Random House, came out in 2020. Jessica says her goal is to help people help themselves by cultivating self-understanding, strategies for living well, and emotional intelligence. I hadn't had an astrological reading in a very long time, and this conversation ended up getting really detailed and really personal and really vulnerable, and I don't know why I didn't expect that. I should have expected that, but Jessica and I really thought it'd be cool to share this conversation both with her podcast audience and my podcast audience, and I really hope that you enjoy it. And I'm looking forward to sharing new episodes starting on the 20th. Make sure to keep sending in your questions to exohigherself at gmail.com. All right, everyone, here's my astrological reading. Hope you enjoy it. Okay. So welcome to your reading, Bunny. Thank you very much. So happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here. Are you comfortable with me sharing your birth information with the people? Yes. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And you were born October 3rd, 1982, 639 AM in the big city of Overland Park, Kansas. <laughs> yes, the huge <laughs> metropolis. So my dear, is there anything specific or general that you want to ask me about that you have going on in your life that you want insight into? <sighs> of course I'm obsessed with my career Mm -hmm. and the trajectory of that, but I also kind of am a person that really trusts where everything is going to as well. But, you know, always having a little guidance in that direction is helpful. And are you in a partnership? I'm married. Yes. You're married. Okay. Do you have kids, human babies? No. And is that Mm -hmm. a plan for you or a goal for you? It was, but I don't know if it's going to work out. Hmm. 
in the past couple of years, it's kind of been, um, something that's sort of, we were planning on having a kid and then it kind of ran into some blockages fertility wise. And at this point, I'm kind of not sure if I want to put myself through difficult, challenging situation that might not end up being something. So that all of that kind of stuff just got put on the back burner. And I've got so many other things going on right now that it just kind of feels like, well, maybe it's not meant to be, but I did just get a dog. So I do feel fulfilled in that way. That stuff is all kind of related to like my health and like my hormones. And I, I have, I do have continual, like kind of unknowns about like my health in terms of like hormonal stuff and everything. Cause I had like a parathyroid disease. I got a thyroidectomy in 19, I mean, in 2019. And ever since then, I've just been kind of on this roller coaster when it comes to knowing what the hell's going on with Mm. my like reproductive system and my hormones and all that stuff. And that's all tied into everything, you know, literal thing. And your partner is not somebody who can or would procreate. Would not. Would not. Doesn't want to. Yes. So it's all on you in that way. So maybe we'll start, and it's a weird place to start. It's kind of like starting in the middle, but I'll pull back and then I'll dive in because there's, there's lots for us to talk about. So the first thing I'll say is when I pulled up your birth chart, I was like, that is almost the most Libra I have ever seen in anyone's birth chart ever. You have so much Libra in your birth chart. I just, yeah, you are so sensitive. You are like the most sensitive of all the people you have. What is it? Your rising sign is, is in Libra. You've got Venus, Mercury, sun, Saturn, and Pluto. That's a lot. Six planets. I mean, including the ascendant in one sign is a lot. And in the sign of Libra, it makes you so sensitive and so creative and those sensitivities in your, and your creativity are clearly something that you've merged in your life, but the need for you to have a personal life, the need for you to self-protect is immense. It is immense. And when you name that, you know, in 2019, you said, eh, that, that you got the diagnosis for your thyroid and started to deal Mm -hmm. with it then Mm -hmm. at the start of 2019, Pluto started to square your Saturn in the first house. And so with that transit, it was a two-year transit. It is now over, but the planet sitting right on top of it, Pluto is also being squared by Pluto at this time. And so the issue of your health is a part of that, but on a kind of deeper, more spiritual level, it was really about things coming to a head in such a way that you were able and or willing to take real responsibility for it, to like, to activate based on what was happening for you, which in a way was you validating your own kind of desire to be whole and healthy and to prioritize your own wellness. Yes. Because actually what happened when I found that out, I found that out because I went to the doctor for the first time in probably like 10 years or more. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. You were yeah. The downside of having so much Libra in your birth chart is it can be really hard to locate yourself and prioritize yourself unless it's in response to the environment or other people. And that's true in general for having all that Libra. Now, all of your Libra stuff is in the house of Aries. It's in the first house. So that kind of gives you more access and resources to identify yourself and be with yourself. But I'm not shocked to hear that it 
you know, you didn't go to a doctor for a decade because it's really a form of self-care that is really exclusively about you. Also, doctors are difficult, but it is a form of self-care that's really exclusively about you. And I have to ask, did you have endometriosis as well? Um, I don't, uh, I don't know because that I'm still figuring out because the, the issue with the fertility stuff was like probably like a year or so later after the thyroidectomy and everything, we were going to try to get pregnant. And then I went to my endocrinologist for another blood test. And she was like, Oh, I'll just do your, I'll just test your hormone levels. And then turns out I had like extremely low egg count Mm. and, you know, all of the numbers indicated that I was like premenopausal and then I started experiencing all of this bleeding and all of this stuff and hot flashes and all these things. So then I ended up going to another gynecologist who put me on like progesterone cream. And so, you know, and it's just kind of, and then I went to acupuncturist who was like, well, you shouldn't do that because then your body's not created up, blah, blah, blah. So I don't really know what's going on right now, but it became such a it was already a difficult choice for me to like, finally find the confidence to be like, I could get pregnant. I could have a child. I did not expect to, for it ever to be like a difficult process in that way. So when it became like the possibility was low, I was like, "Mm, I don't know if I can handle the likelihood of miscarriage, the likelihood of that kind of going through that. I just feel so I'm, I just like, I'm thinking I'm too sensitive. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I could get through that. So the endometriosis, when I kept going to the gynecologist, it was, I I was really confused about all of the cysts and all of the things that were going on and all of the bleeding and it. And since then it's kind of balanced out, but I never really quite, I still don't quite understand because why, of course we have no education about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh yeah. You know, I'll say, and this is again, like it's a weird place to start, but it feels really connected to everything because it's your body. From what I'm seeing, there's a couple things worth naming. One is that through until November of 2023, so you got a lot more time on this one, Pluto will continue to be squaring itself, um, which is a once in a lifetime transit. First of all, the issues with your body are likely to stay active. In other words, you may continue to be questioning it. Your body may still be throwing out some like smoke and mirrors. You may not in this period decide on the approach you want to take Eastern, Western, what kind of Eastern, what kind of Western, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I do want to name that this is a really important thing to stay invested in, even though it's Mm -hmm. stressful and it's not about having kids you know, Mm -hmm. that's kind of like the, the branch of the tree, not the trunk of the tree. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's about understanding your body and taking really good care of it and Mm -hmm. doing it through your fear, because what's getting hit in your birth chart is the most fearful point in your birth chart. And so this Mm -hmm. is probably something that is really bringing up a lot. And I want to also just validate, I think you're right that it's not a good risk for you. If doctors are saying, you know, the chances of miscarriage are really high, it doesn't look like that's something that you would be super resilient around. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. But if your instinct is in knowing that much about yourself, that it's Mm -hmm. not worth it, I want to validate that. I I agree. Um, That kind of brings me to your career, oddly. Mm -hmm. And we can come back to hormones and medical stuff if, if you want me to like dig in there, because I'm happy to. But 
you know, you've got this midheaven north node conjunction in your birth chart. And what this means is that your career, your sense of direction and purpose in this world and in this lifetime are massive. Like it's such a big deal. And certainly there are some astrologers that would see all this stuff in cancer and be like, you should be a mom. That's what you should do. I am not the Mm -hmm. one. I am not the Mm -hmm. one though, because I think that we can birth and create and nurture and parent on a myriad of levels. And I don't really think cancer energy is exclusive to mothering energy at all. And Mm -hmm. through your work, and, and I should pull back to say, in the last three, three, four years, your career, it looks like has really, I don't know if it's expanded or not, but it's absolutely become more of a reflection of you. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. It's like you stopped fighting yourself and you really stepped into yourself in public. And when you did that, everything opened up for you. And this is the way that the North Node works. When we step into our North Node, our lives kind of just start to flow more easily. And so I don't think in any way there's like a career or parenting issue in your birth chart or in general for people. But I do see if you set the intention that you're going to bring all of that kind of parenting, nurturing energy to what you create and what you put into the world. I think that that absolutely will be enough to make you truly happy over the course of your life, not just over the course of these like five years when, you know, the internet is what it is or when your circumstances are what they are. So to me, that's a really great thing because some people really do need to have kids to be whole and happy. To me, your chart does not articulate that. There's pros and cons, it looks like for both, both ways of living. So I don't see that it has to be any one way. Connected to that is this really important theme that runs through your birth chart of needing to prioritize how you feel when you're alone with yourself. I think when we're talking about hormones or we're talking about career, like on very different levels, but when we talk about either of these things, it takes a lot of kind of practice and care to check in with yourself and to kind of like parse through what part of this is right for me, what part of this is wrong for me, what feels like it's hormones, what feels like it's something else. Part of what I see you going through and you have been going through for the past couple of years, which happens to have neatly coincided with the pandemic, right? But what you're going through and will continue to go through for about two more years is this spiritual and very personal shift where you are questioning things. You're questioning what gives you value and what gives you meaning. And when you do things that are inauthentic to you and just don't feel right to you. Your body, it looks like is hitting this wall. It's I, okay. So I don't remember if I came up with this or one of my friends did, but you know, the mall wall, when you're like shopping in a mall and everything's good. And then all of a sudden you just hit this wall of exhaustion. Yeah. (laughs) It's a mall wall. Um, And it looks like your body, it's like you're hitting a mall wall when you are doing things that are not authentic to you right now. It's just like, you don't have the extra energy. Yes. Yeah. And so while it's a boner and not fun, it's actually really great because your body is giving you very clear feedback, very clear feedback about what resonates in a healthy way and what doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's coming up? I guess I just feel like sometimes I feel guilty for not listening to your body. Yes. Interesting. 
you know, to, to make those choices sometimes, and maybe this, I don't know, you tell me it's like a Libra thing, you know, sometimes it's easier to just do what makes somebody else happy or, or even if they, I don't even know if it will, but like if my partner's cooking as dinner, I don't want to be picky about what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're cooking it or, or asking, Hey, can we not have that in the house? Interesting. Like th- that type of stuff is difficult for me because I don't want to take away anybody's joy or, or anything like that. But I really started to notice that my environment is extremely important as far as how I, what I put in my body. And if it's there, I'll put it in my body. And I really need, <laughs> I need mm-hmm. help and support in making choices that make me happy. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that. So first of all, yeah, it's a Libra thing for sure, but it's not exclusively a Libra thing. You also mm-hmm. have Neptune at the bottom of your chart and that Neptune it's, it's conjunct to your IC opposite your midheaven and that placement, what it does is it makes it so that you need your home space to be sanctuary. You just need your home space to be sanctuary. You need it to be magical. You need it to be quiet. When smells are off, uh, when sounds are off, it disrupts you on a really intense level. And that's also true for people with tons of Libra in their chart as you do. So you've got like the quadruple whammy. You are not someone who could live near a construction site and thrive. Like That's just not you. If there are smells in the house, if there are foods in the house that aren't supportive to your system, it's very hard for you to have boundaries with it because when your home is the space where you don't want to have to have boundaries because they're so difficult for you. Yes. And on top of that, you've got all this damn Libra and it's the ascendant Venus, Mercury and sun all sitting on top of each other. And all of those planets in Libra say, don't worry about me. What about you? And it is easier for you to react than to respond. And I think that's a human thing. It's something I talk about all the damn time. But with this Libra stuff, any kind of Venusian stuff, it's easier to position yourself in response to your partner, your collaborator, whatever it is, than to identify what I what you need and to validate what you need and then ask someone else to honor that. Because if they don't honor it, you collapse a little bit. Like it really, really hurts your feelings is what it looks like. Does that make sense? Yes. But at the same time, I also just feel like I'm so self-involved. I, you know what I mean? I guess, I guess part of it is also too, because I feel like I'm so obsessed with my work and discovering myself and really my, just the things I'm passionate about. It's hard for me to understand how I'm not also like an extreme, like I've had multiple people tell me, Hey, it's not all about you. Okay. Let's talk about that. Multiple partners, not, not people, not like friends or family, like it's the people you're dating. It's the people you're really close to. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. So in astrology, we know there's zodiac signs and then there's houses. So while yes, you've got a stellium in Libra, it's also in the house of Aries. So it is the me first placement, right? So yes, your obsession with relationships and with creativity and even your desire to be reactive and to like respond to other people, it is a me first vibe and you enjoy it. You enjoy it. It's not like you're like obsessing on people and wanting them to pay attention to you. You just are constantly reflecting on things and you are able to see yourself reflected in many things. And so I'm not shocked to hear that your partners have said that, but here's where it comes back to boundaries, because not only do you have that 
you know, Venus, Mercury, Sun conjunction. You've also got Saturn and Pluto. So Saturn and Pluto conjoined is it's very flight or fight mechanism oriented. Mm -hmm. It has you holding on really tight. And so if let's say there's something you really want to manifest in your career, you're not just going to do the things you know to do to manifest, right? That Saturn-Pluto conjunction is very fixated, very compulsive. And so maybe you can manage it in general in your life in a particular way, but at home with your closest person, they're going to be the one that you feel safe to really explore that like obsessive part or the fear-based part. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. And, and so with your partners, there is a need for you to kind of like acknowledge this part of your nature that doesn't come up with other people and to have honest conversations with your partner about like, okay, I am going to continue to obsessively talk about these compulsive things that I don't talk to other people about because you're my primary support for that. And that's unlikely to change. I don't want to be like narcissistic. I don't want to be self-obsessed. So are there other things I can be aware of or that I can compromise or do in the relationship, in our dynamic? Is there something I talk about that you're like, okay, I can hear about it three times, but not four, you know, like to have mm -hmm. that kind of conversation with your partner and do they have, is they the right pronoun for me to use? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And do they have the willingness and ability to have an honest, direct conversation? We're working on it. I mean, I know I'm not the easiest person in some certain certain. I don't really like to be criticized in certain ways, especially if it's about how well I'm doing caring for somebody like that really is hard for me to hear because I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm being extremely caring and thoughtful of their needs. And so to hear that I've kind of misstepped or, or haven't like done enough it, it plays into that same narrative of I'm not doing enough. Mm. So it's all like my, my biggest issue is never feeling like I'm doing enough. And so if my partner tells me I'm not doing enough, I kind of lose it a little bit. Mm. Okay. Let's talk about that. Okay. From your perspective, what's actually happening is that you're doing too much. <laughs> so you're, if you're yeah. trying to do all the damn things, then some things will fall in the cracks. Some things will not get prioritized in a way that maybe your partner wants this to be a 10 and you're like, it's a five, everything's a five. Yeah. And can you say their name so that I can look at them energetically? Do you mind doing that? Are they okay with it? Oh, they're fine with it. Okay. Kara mm -hmm. Gilvey. What do you call them? Kara. They have another name, eh? They sometimes will go by like KH. Okay, that's actually it. Are they transitioning? Not officially. I mean, they're kind of always, they're, they're kind of like undefined. It's something that is like a ongoing, it's hard to be in this world type of thing. Yeah. yeah. They, they feel very transmasculine to me. Um, yes, they are. Yeah. Um, so, okay. <laughs> and please tell me if this is right or wrong. What they do is they tell you quote unquote, what you've been doing wrong, which is not how they perceive it, but that's how you perceive it. Right. When they're already activated, when they're actively upset about something, correct? Yes. That's okay. when it, that's when it comes out. <laughs> yeah. And that's why you respond so poorly because yeah. you're responding to the energy instead of the words. And the energy is I'm frustrated. I shouldn't have to tell you this. This has been going on too long. Even if the words are like, Hey, could you do the dishes? You know, the energy is in truth. They should have told you like five times you fucked up the dishes ago instead of in that moment. And, and this is like not to point blame on either of you, 
It's more to unpack what's going sideways because what's going sideways is they finally figure out, they finally kind of like get the bravery, get the energy to to tell you is how they feel. That's not really what's happening. What's happening is they get pissed off enough about it and then they tell you, which will never, ever, ever work with you ever. No person dating a Libra (laughs) should ever wait till they're pissed off to say something because all that Libra in your chart is just like, oh my God, you're upset with me. And that's all you can hear. Yes. Yeah. So for them, if I can give them some unsolicited (laughs) advice to help both of you, it would be to try to notice what's bugging them and say it when it's not a big deal, when they still have a sense of humor about it. Because they do have a good sense of humor, right? Yeah, they do. And Mm -hmm. when they say things like, hey, could you do this? Or hey, could you do that? And it's kind of like light. Do you get defensive with that? I don't think they ever, they ever do. <laughs> not, no, not because, not because they, they're always telling me what to do in a bad way because they're never telling me what to do. Because they're never telling you. Okay. Okay. Mm, so that me. needs to shift because what yeah. I see in your chart is that you like knowing the rules. You like knowing the rules because you like working within them. I mean, you're very rebellious. So I know what I'm saying is also opposite true, but in this context, in a partnership, if your partner, if you're like, I don't know, putting a a pink hat on your partner's head every day. And they're like, hey, listen, I like coral. I like red. I like orange, but I don't like pink. You just want to know. Then you'll fix it. No problem. But if they're like, why are you doing this? What is wrong? Then you're not hearing it anymore. All you're hearing is is that you're being punished. That's where it goes for you is is punishment. Whether they're being punishing or not, it looks like sometimes they are and sometimes they're not. But that's the trigger. All your alarms go off then you're no longer having a conversation about their needs. Now you're having a conversation about your feelings in reaction to their needs. And then they get more ramped up. So we have a perfect storm. Uh, Yes. This is really important because it's the biggest problem in the relationship is what it looks like. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 It doesn't look like there's any bigger ones. And no, honestly, it looks like a great relationship, but this sometimes is a bummer and sometimes is like a scary bummer. Like I don't want, this to get worse kind of thing. And the reason why that is, is because this problem reflects their biggest problem with themselves and your biggest problem with yourself. And so inevitably it looks like a relationship problem, but it's really the problem you have with yourselves. And because your shit matches their shit so perfectly Neither of you really have to heal because you're constantly reacting to the other one and the other one's constantly doing something wrong. It's very convenient for the survival of these like flight or fight mechanisms that get them to only tell you something's wrong when they're super activated and that have you kind of shut down in the face of that energy. Okay, here's a bit of advice. And you tell me if this is realistic. What if they were to write down Like if you got like a cute notepad and they could write a note when they're like, I think I'm getting bothered by this. Or like, I think this is triggering me. Would a note be easier for you to take? Oh, definitely. Especially if it was on something cutified, all that Libra, we just need to cutify everything. Um, (laughs) Make it as the aesthetic, right? I'm I'm down. You're down. Like they could say intense things to you, but if it was cutified properly, it would work. So, so to try out for maybe two months, three months, a situation where they write their frustrations, their, their like questions, yada, yada on that cute piece of paper. Okay. And then hand it to you and you're not allowed to 
react with anything other than questions or comments. So I'm not saying ever, I'm saying in the moment. So they're not expecting you to respond right away is the first step. And the second step is you have permission to sit with your feelings, to sort through them. Because again, that always helps. It does. That definitely helps me. I always try to, I just honestly, even five minutes is like so much better. The feeling of responsibility that you have with that Saturn-Pluto conjunction in the first house, it's like, I have to respond right away. And that pressure makes you rebellious. And so sometimes the shit that comes out of your mouth, I'm guessing is not what you planned on, but it's just like in your efforts to be responsible, you kind of abandon yourself and then your behavior is not always what you want it to be. Yes. So on the flip slash connected to this homework, I'm going to say, get another piece of cute stationery practice writing on a note. Oh, they're going to cook dinner tonight and they're going to make something that I know is going to give me a stomach ache or I'm just not feeling and writing a cute note being like, I'm super down to eat the thing you're cooking for me because I am not willing to do the cooking. And you are, yay, you, you're, you're the best person in the world. I don't really want to eat this. You can ignore this note or use this information as you will. Boom. Just like passing notes in school here. I don't know that that would work as well for them as it would for you. But if they're open to it, if that doesn't sound annoying to them, which honestly, I'm 50-50, if that would be annoying to them, but if it doesn't sound annoying to them, it would be a good way for you to practice asking for what you want. Because I didn't forget you told me it felt selfish to say what you want. And I'm coming back to that right here and now. Having desires and preferences and needs is not selfish. That said, we can assert them, our desires, preferences, and needs in selfish ways, right? And Mm -hmm. I think that you have developed yourself and worked on yourself so much that the skill set that you have around asking for what you need or want is significantly like less developed than most of you. And so it feels bad because it feels kind of regressive. It's like you really just haven't, haven't prioritized this in your life yet. They only say yet because since 2019, I think you have been prioritizing it more. And it's probably felt quite difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The work of being able to identify your preference, your need, whatever it is, and then be like, okay, is this related to my welfare? Is this related to my comfort? Is this, you know, on a scale from one to 10, or if it's easier for you, one to five, you know, what number is it? Because not every need and every preference needs to be communicated. And also just because you communicate, it doesn't mean they need to you know, bend to it. But being able to communicate your preferences to your partner, I think is really important. And being able to do it in your life is really important. The key here, and this is a difficult one for you, is to do it without attachment. So if you say, I'd rather you made pasta instead of rice, and they're like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. It's about not having attachment to how that goes and just trusting. I asserted myself. I am not trapped in this situation. I could kick them out of the kitchen. I can make my own pasta. Like I've got lots of options here. I don't want to do any of those things. So I'm just going to eat the damn rice. Does this make sense? Yes. Well, I think that not to like go on to this issue so much, but the thing is, is that if I do ask for it, they do it. They're always trying to make me happy and in so many ways, but there are things that I do want to ask of them that aren't easy for them. Mm. So I guess I'm just kind of trying to not be like a nagging, you know, nitpicky person 
because, you know, when you live with somebody, you just have different needs in terms of, you know, I'm like, I have to, the door needs to be locked. The alarm needs to be on, you know, the house needs to be clean. And I have these different things, boundaries or whatever in my home that they just don't have. So I've been kind of, you know, I want to leave space for, for them because they too try to make me happy so much that it's like, I just, I don't want them to feel like they're not doing a good job mm. and making me happy because they are. Okay. So it's, it's kind of, you know, I don't know. I see what you're saying. So let me just check in with this because are the things you're talking about that you feel awkward or uncomfortable asking them for around security specifically like security and cleaning the house? Are those, were those like random examples or are those yeah, like these around security around my own, the things that give me anxiety, the mess that gives me anxiety, the, the locking of the door, you know, I mean, it keeps happening. Yeah. And, and for me, it's extremely painful mm-hmm. to wake up in the morning and the door was unlocked. That would they drive have- me bonkers. Yeah. And it doesn't happen that much, but it's, it's wild that it still happens Mm -hmm. because for me, it's like such a priority. The one, one issue that has been ongoing on a relationship is there have been certain things, certain behaviors that aren't difficult for them, but are difficult for me. And I feel like my mental health. Mm. Yeah. And it hurts me that they don't understand how difficult that is for me. And I don't want to be looked at like, I'm just trying to make them feel not good enough. That's how, that's what happens. Mm. They interpret it as I'm saying, you're not good enough. You're disappointing me when really I'm like, I'm just trying to be mentally okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think like eight years ago, my partner once forgot to lock the door. I bring it up all the damn time. I bring it up all the time. Never happened again. So, I mean, I think like when it comes to like locking the doors and windows of your home, it's so reasonable and basic, but also, you know, we happen to agree. You might talk to someone else who agrees with your partner and that is what mm-hmm. it is. So in the morning, I wake up really early to write 4.50 AM. I come down the other day, the door back door was unlocked. It was unlocked because my, my partner took the dog out in the middle of the night to pee and didn't lock the door. At first I get upset and then I get fearful. Because I know that if I bring it up, it's not going to go well because mm-hmm. they're not just going to be able to just be like, oh, I'm sorry. They're going to be like in exactly what happened. Well, maybe you should take the dog out then. Oh, you know, yes. I know that <laughs> dynamic in a relationship. And I'm like, uh, so it's just like, it's like, it becomes this thing where like, I can't say it. Yeah. I can't okay. say it because if I say it it becomes a problem. I see what you're saying. Okay. So if you know that your partner is just not going to be someone who prioritizes locking doors, like that's just not the person they are, yeah. Yeah. then what I would encourage you to investigate, and do you have a rental? Do you own your place? We own our house. Yeah. Okay, great. What I would encourage you to investigate, get on ye old internet and are there self-locking doors? Can you two as a team and you do all the legwork, if you've Mm -hmm. got a need, you're the one doing the legwork, right? So Mm -hmm. can you investigate what it would cost to have self-locking doors installed everywhere? It's a good approach, but it's not just about this one situation. It's about identifying my person does not see the world the way I do. They're not going to handle things the way I do. And I'm going to accept that about them. 
And that doesn't mean, therefore, I abandon my own needs. That's kind of where you start to go. It's like, well, there's nothing I can do. Instead, mm-hmm. what you want to do is be like, okay, so what, what could we automate here? What could I do? And, you know, it's like if your partner leaves messes around, are they a pile person? No, they're not. But they're not somebody who is like, oh, we should do the dishes right away. Okay, I see. Yeah. And you are. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of figured that I kind of figured I've, I've, for the past couple of weeks, I've been reading that book, Atomic Habits. So Mm -hmm. I've been kind of figuring out a schedule that's going to keep an environment that's going to make me feel okay. Right. So I kind of took responsibility for that. And it's actually so much easier. They do, obviously they do a lot of, a lot of other responsibilities, but the washing of the dishes isn't as big in their mind, whereas they're handling other things. So I was like, okay, that that's my hat. My habit is cleaning the dishes at these certain times every day. And before we go to bed and that's good. That's great. So I, I have found those I've over time now realized that these are the things that I take control of my space. I can yes. take control of it. That's perfect. I'm so happy to hear that. And, and I think, you know, my idea about the door, it's just a different version of being like, okay, they're not going to do the dishes the way that I, my brain wants it. So I'm just going to be the dishes person in the house. Um, yes. And it sounds like they do lots of other things. So it's not yes, like an unfair dynamic. It's just no. about identifying your needs and then not collapsing into that, but instead being like, okay, where's my agency here? And that doesn't mean don't communicate to your person. You know, it's a fair thing. If in six months, you're still like the dishes point person to be like, yeah, when I when I like leave the dishes for five minutes, my brain starts itching. Just like conversationally letting them know, that doesn't mean that they're the ones who have to take care of it. And this is so important for me to say to all your Libra stuff. It's that when you identify a problem in a dynamic, and then you find a way to take care of it, that doesn't that's not meant to come instead of communication. It's alongside communication. It's like this makes my brain itch. I cannot handle it. And so I'm going to fix it in this way. I just want you to know that that's what I'm doing and that's why I'm doing it. Not to make you feel bad, but just so we're having clear communication. You know, they may do all the cooking because they're like, I don't like the way you cook or because I'm controlling in the kitchen. Cool, whatever. It doesn't have to be an ongoing thing, but it does have to be clarity because when we compromise for our partners or we do things for our partners, but they don't know it's a compromise and they don't know it's a gift, it's not as well received. And that's where over the course of time, I think resentments can build up, right? So it's really important that you say it to them. And again, you may want to ask them if notes would be okay um, or like some other creative way, because that way you won't feel as heavy handed when you're communicating. Well, I already thought of putting a note on the door. Honestly, I almost suggested it, but I don't think it would work on them. It would work on you. Um, But at this point, I'm saying it every night. Cause I go to bed before them. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, don't forget to lock the door. Yeah. And I hate having to say that, but I don't feel like I can't not say it at this point. I concur with every part of that. Yes. I personally would put post-it notes on every damn door. I don't think it'll work honestly, because if they're like walking the dog in the middle of the night, they're not doing a, a visual sweep of the door right. is my guess. And they're not, it's not because they don't care. No, it's just, they're, it's, they don't it's notice it the, the way pri- you do. they're not thinking about it. They're not thinking about being murdered in your bed. Like I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, 
The reality is, and I didn't want to start with this point because it doesn't matter the reason why you feel this way, but yeah. this is related to inherited trauma that is, you know, like epigenetic for you. You've, you come by this real, honestly, it doesn't matter what anyone says to you. You could be living in a place with a 0% crime rate and everyone leaves their doors unlocked and it's just not who you are. That's not what resonates for you, but you don't need an excuse and you don't yeah. need a reason. And that's why I didn't want to start with that because I don't think you need to defend this preference. In general, we don't need to defend our preferences at all. Instead, what I think it's about is figuring out a way to accept that this person is not going to see things the way you see them. So how can you get a workaround? And you know what, honestly, like I did take um, the lead and get the security system. Like I put it, I ordered it, I put it together. And that was like, and that also helped me too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, again, just to validate, you are a person, regardless of where you're living, that's always going to want a security system. I don't think you need to overanalyze it. I don't need to think you need to feel bad about it. You just need to honor it because if you start poking at it, it gets stronger. Um, So unfortunately, this is not something that I think that they really get about you. They feel like they just have a very different background and they have different triggers. Mm -hmm. And this is just not something they're going to get. And they don't need to get it in order to respect it, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that what they're doing is an act of disrespect at all. I just think it's super not on their mind. And then they're like, wait, what? I don't know. It surprises them that it happened and it surprises them that you care every time. Like, Like it was the first time. I will say that you have a moon in Aries. And you were born uh, not in the exactitude of a full moon, but you're, you're a full moon baby. And so when your emotions come on, they come on hot, they come on strong, they come on big. And so, yes. be- <laughs> and so <laughs> because this issue is so emotional for you, something that you know is going to spark anxiety in you, it's so emotional for you, even before the anxiety comes, you probably do something that I just described that your partner does, which is you wait till you're activated and then it just comes rushing out of you. What you, I think, have feared is over-communication. What I am suggesting is more uh, tepid communication, not so passionate and like fiery yeah. communication because you're both considerate and you both actually care about each other. It's just that you often don't know that something is up until the other person's like, yeah. So yeah. That's, that's the work is communicating when it's not a big deal which is in your brain, I think both of you are like, well, if it's not a big deal, I don't need to say anything. But if you don't say anything until it is a big deal, then you're only communicating when it's a big deal. And that makes it a bigger deal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. While I'm here in your relationship, I'll just tell you, as I look at this psychically, um, does your partner want kids? Yes. Yes. Ish or yes. I mean, they, yeah, yes, they did. They were, they were more wanting it than I was for a while. I assume they still do, but Mm -hmm. I think that they're content with what's happening. I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, think that they're trusting. I, when I look at your relationship, I just see how the two of you are really good together in a controlled environment and kids are uncontrolled in the environment. (laughs) Um, And so I do want to just kind of acknowledge the thriving of your relationship without kids, which doesn't mean it would not thrive with kids, but I do see how it's better (laughs) in some ways, just for the two of you, because you both need a lot of downtime and yeah, all the problems the two of you have would be exacerbated by co-parenting, right? Which doesn't mean you shouldn't do it or you couldn't do it well, but just like, you know, it's always nice to be like, okay, well there's actually like 
pros to this. Um, yes. Yeah. And I think we're both seeing that now too. And now hold on for just a moment here. You mentioned that you want to touch on career, which is fun. I'm happy to, I'm a Capcorn always talk about career, but I'm going to be honest with you, unless you have something specific uh, going on that you've questions about your career. I mean, you're very clear about it. You're like, yeah. you're like solidly on a path. Yes. Yeah. And well, you can it. It make, if there, yeah. Is, well, okay. Well, there is something in the trajectory, a, a potential big partnership that is sort of in the beginning stages of possibly happening. And I guess that would be like something sure. that I'm kind of, because there was a little weirdness in the beginning and now it seems to be good, but I'm kind of like, Hmm, I don't, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, I don't really know them, these people very well. I see. So I'm going to have you say the name of the people or the organization you're going to partner with. Okay. The company is called. And what's your professional name? Buddy, Michael, bear with me. Let me look at this energetically. And you've signed on with them already. I haven't signed a contract. We've been, you know, in discussions and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but we're taking like next steps. It's a sticky industry, obviously. Yes. Right. You yes. know this. Yeah, um, I'm learning that now. Like it, it's really fucking sticky. And I feel mixed on this, to be honest. I mean, you got a bazillion planets in Libra. You're go with the flow, except for when and in the ways that you're really not. You're, I wouldn't say controlling is the right word. You are very meticulous about what you want to put into the world and how, and you don't take kindly to fools telling you what to do with something that you're clear about. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Their primary ambition is, is of course, to make something that makes money. Yes. Um, and so there's like a stickiness. I think you will potentially have some conflicts, whether or not this is a good idea for you has everything to do with the contract you do or don't sign. Actually, they presented me with the contract already that we, we totally were like, no, this isn't, this isn't mm-hmm. it. And da, da, da. and so, so we had to kind of restart our relationship in, in ways, but it's, it seems to be now things are very clear uh, in terms of like what I'm willing or not willing to do. So it seems like it's going in the right direction. And I, and I am feeling really excited, I guess, just because maybe it, it was just hard to kind of like realize that that's how the industry is and, you know, mm. me being new to it, but I do have such high ambitions that, that I also feels like, okay, well, I can deal with that reality and still stand my ground and know yeah. who I am and that kind of thing. Part of what's hard for me to tell you about is because as I look at it psychically, it's not like you have a specific team that you will work with on this yet, you know, cause it's so early stages yeah. that said, yeah. You're going to have to sign a contract before you get the team. So Mm -hmm. this could go, and this is not a reflection on the partnership. It's just a reflection on like the risk of signing on. This is what, what I'll say. Is this the only way to do it? No. Is this the best way to do it? TBD. I really want to encourage you to not step into a scarcity mentality. If they don't give you a contract that is exactly what you want, this is not the only way to do what you want to do. And if you can maintain kind of um, like a largesse of spirit to hold on an energetic level, a really mm-hmm. wide container for how this can come into being instead yeah. of attaching to this one way of it coming into being, it will be easier for you to discern whether or not things are right for you. 
and to make that final call because I can't tell if in the end they're going to put some bullshit in your contract or not. Like I, I can't, I look at yeah. them energetically. Right. I, that's like, what I was mind. wondering about. Cause I can't yeah. really tell, you know, I'm like, Oh my God, are they going to come out with some bullshit again? I think, I think you can, I think you should count on it and then be pleasantly yeah. surprised if it doesn't happen. Um, yes. and, and walk away if you need to walk away. This is not the only way for you. It's a way. That's all. It's a way. I think that, you know, this is all, okay. This is all making sense why we started off with your relationship, because part of what I'm seeing is this question of like, do you need to bolster your team? Do you need a, a bigger team who can advise you? Because it is a, it is a bramble patch out there. You know what I mean? It's not just roses, it's thorns, it's thorns. But I feel like having people that it's their role in your life to answer all your questions and to advocate for you and you don't have to pay them every time you talk to them might be worth it for you. Um, I, would, I mean, that would be, a, I would love, I would love to manifest that. Well, it's identifying when you need to ask for help. Yes. And empowering yeah. yourself to find the right people to ask I, for I help. I know I need help. I need help. I do. I I do. do. We all do. And it's not a sign of weakness or vulnerability or ineptitude. It's just, we need teams. You know, we, we want to yeah. be on other people's team and we want other people to be on our team. And again, you do really well when the rules are set. So when you mm -hmm. know exactly what you can expect of someone and what their service to you is, you do really well with that. When you're out there in the, in the wild being like, I think I understand this industry. Wait, shit. No, I don't like that provokes more anxiety for you. And then yes. your intuition isn't as reliable because, uh, you know, fear has a way of, of turning us away from our intuition, not trusting our mm -hmm. intuition. So it's not, there's not like kind of coming back to your central question about career. It's not a yes or a no, a do or a don't it's explore and get the right people on your team so that you can evaluate your options wisely. What I'm suggesting um, is to not be monogamous and loyal while you're still in negotiations. Yes, exactly. This is a, yeah, this isn't a personal relationship. This is a professional negotiation. And what you're doing is you're dipping your toe and exploring with them. And so far you were like, hey, let's eat cobbler. And they were like, or how about a single Twinkie? And you're like, hmm, that's not what I thought we were doing here. Uh, but you're both, you know, you both want dessert. So you're going to yeah. give them a chance to come back with like an apple pie. Let's see what happens. Yeah. But yeah, again, all of this Libra in your chart can incline you to being loyal, monogamous to people before trust has been established truly. And so I think that this is a really exciting opportunity, but I really cannot tell you with any kind of confidence that it's the only or the best opportunity for you. I know that's kind of like more complexity for you, but I would just encourage you to see it as a real opening, you know? Yeah, that's uh, helpful. It really is helpful. And it's, it, it is helpful. Good. Okay, sure. good. It now, makes me feel more positive about it because it makes me feel regardless, you know, it's all unfolding no matter what. It's yes, it is. I mean, I really have no choice actually, because you know, I can't stop. <laughs> no. And you don't need to, like there's, there's yeah. flow, right? There's like, it's organically shifting, which is really important. So I want to ask you, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you would like me to touch on? Is there a, like, a, like some eclipses happening in the eighth, like in my eighth house mm -hmm. coming yeah. up? And like, yeah. is that like a drastic change type stuff? Let me just look at the degree on the last day of April. 
we have a, a solar eclipse in Taurus and let's see the degree. Yeah, it's, it's happening right in your eighth house. It's at 10 degrees. Interesting that you're asking me about the solar eclipse, because as we record this, uh, tonight is a new moon in Aries, and that's very, very impactful to your birth chart. In some ways, I would say more than the eclipse, and in other ways, eclipses mm -hmm. are always like the strongest thing in town. So in general, eclipses are very hard to predict because it's like being on a fault line. When you live on a fault line, I live in California, so I live on a fault line. And sometimes there's a really big earthquake and I barely feel it. And sometimes there's a really small earthquake and everything moves. That's kind of like what eclipses are like. They yeah. are unpredictable in nature. And it's not even necessarily differently than the new moon and the full moon. We don't always on the eclipse itself have something major happen. It could be in the buildup. It could be, you know, in the months afterwards. So you want to pay attention to what's going on. Now, in regards to what that solar eclipse in Taurus in your eighth house is going to look like for you, it could have to do with money. You might have money come in, uh, you know, in an unexpected way or in a meaningful way. It might be through your partner. You know, your partner might somehow, you know, get a raise or, or take a chance and it works. It could be around psychic stuff. The eighth house is also where we find psychic stuff. So this may be a time where you develop a more grounded and embodied practice around how you relate to your intuition, which for you is related to boundaries. It could play out in any number of ways. It could be that you have amazing sex with your partner and you're just like, oh shit, we're awesome. I forgot. We're the best. You can unlock the door any day. I mean, don't say that part because we don't want to <laughs> confuse them about what's okay. But you know, it could be any kind of thing like that. I think that the internet, like astrology on the internet really gives people a lot of fear about transits. Mm -hmm. In regards to that, the only thing that you can do to prepare for a lunation, any kind of moon transit, is to have a loving relationship to your own emotional body, right? That's all you can do because mm -hmm. your feelings are your feelings are your feelings. It's how we hold them, how we care for them, how we respond to them. That's what we can do. And isn't that kind of your whole entire life? Like <laughs> focusing on, on yeah. like re responding to and relating to your emotions. So in that way, I'm not like, eh, you won't feel it. Yeah, of course you'll fucking feel it. You will feel it. And also you have tools. There's, you don't have to be scared of this, even if it's hard or it seems bad in some way. Uh, it's a healing journey. And so it's up your damn alley. You got nothing to worry about. And I do think also, you know, people get, again, like internet astrology, maybe some astrologers are like the eighth house is bad and scary. And I adore the eighth house. And I don't think it's bad or scary at all. It's where we find like psychic shit and fucking and our savings accounts and all kinds of other things that are really delicious and valuable parts of life. So you don't need to worry about this at all. Now that said, the new moon, uh, this very night. It's like on the first on the East coast, but it's late at night here on the West coast. This new moon is hitting your chart pretty intensely. It is activating in your seventh house. And that is why this reading went in a direction neither of us planned on. And we talked about your partnership. I know. Yeah. I wasn't expecting this at all. And neither were you. Right? Me either. No. Me either. I'm like, oh gosh, you want to yeah, this... I have to tell Kara we talked about her relationship all the time. But uh, it's good. It's good. And it's also good. we had like a little tip this morning that we had like kind of a breakthrough with it. And, and it was actually really awesome because like we got to the clear issue and, and they find, and they just said, sometimes I want to be babied. And I was like, perfect. Yeah, I get that. 
Yeah. I get that. Like, and I'm excited about that. So I already have a little plan of a little gift to give them later today. I already planned it just to show them that I heard them and, you know, that kind of thing. So that I feel like that's very like the new moon energy that it is. And and it's specifically the new moon happening in your relationship house. So you had a breakthrough with your partner. They said they wanted to be babied, which is perfect. You have the moon in the seventh house. You love babying people when they let you. And we ended up talking about it. That's again, and this is a really good articulation, even though, you know, at the beginning of the conversation with your partner this morning, it might've felt like a fight or like a conflict. It had a healing impact. And then, you know, we followed it up with this conversation and then you can bring that to your partner. And so again, these lunations, when we have active emotional lives, when we're willing to be in our feelings and work through them, they're really important and never to be feared never to be feared. Uh, I mean, there's so many things to fear. World War III, pandemics, this is nothing for you to fear because it's in your wheelhouse. It's what you like. You like emotional progress. You like things getting sticky so that you can come to more wholeness with them. This is your happy place. Okay. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I'm so glad we got to do this reading. This has been really What fun. a gift. What a gift. I'm, I'm so grateful, really. It was awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's really, been really beautiful. Thank you so much. My pleasure.